Everybody else, if you should turn to Matthew chapter 28, please. <clears throat> Matthew 28. Now, the I certainly appreciate the song that Paul and Ben did, ben did but you understand the <clears throat> this jaw surgery that ha he's having on Tuesday will make him a soprano again. Um, <clears throat> so they'll have to make some adjustments there as far as the singing aspect of things. So. <clears throat> once, once upon a time, long time ago, uh, my son, my youngest son, who is a little bit of a talker, um, uh, kept getting strep throat time and time and time again. <clears throat> Finally, he had enough times that he qualified for tonsil removal, tonsil and adenoid removal. I, his mother and I gladly paid for the surgery, um, knowing that it was going to guarantee us a few, few days, possibly a week of silence. Um, he came out of the surgery talking 90 miles a minute. And I'm like, I want a refund. I want my, I want my money back. And, um, oh, we, on the way home, we stopped for a moment at Walmart. By the time we came out of Walmart, he was sitting in the backseat of the car, unable to speak. <clears throat> Blessed quietness, holy quietness. And um, it was awesome. Worth every dime. Worth every dime. All right. <clears throat> so I don't know whether mom and dad are, you know, footing the bill to make sure that you know, there's silence in their house. I don't know. Matthew chapter 28, please. Matthew 28. <clears throat> We've titled this, I've, I've titled this Preparing the Tomb for Guests. Um, it's important that you understand, uh, even as we begin to talk about some of these things surrounding the resurrection of Christ, that you understand that the, <clears throat> the angel rolled the stone away, but um, it was more for the benefit of those who would be looking in than the benefit of Jesus trying to get out. It's like, he, oh, he can't get out unless the angel throws, you know, um, nah, that's, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the issue. Uh, all these things that have led up to this point, Jesus warned his disciples, and he, says, he told them, he says, what's going to happen in the next few days, next week or so, is going to be absolutely horrible, but the devil is not winning. This is God's plan. This is my Father's plan from the beginning, and he says, stop letting your hearts be troubled. That phrase, by the way, is important. It'll be, you'll see how it's important in our study this morning as well, because and again, in the, in the King James, it says, let not your heart be troubled, okay? Um, and literally in the Greek, it's stop. It's stopping a process that was already going on. They were already troubled and worried, and he says, stop it. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Well, the disciples fled. Peter denied. And Jesus is taken before Annas and Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin meeting in the temple, Pilate, Herod, and back to Pilate again. Even, even thinking about that, the fact that the Sanhedrin would meet in the temple. wonder what thoughts raced through Jesus' mind as the Sanhedrin came up with all their lying witnesses and their false accusations and their plan and, and their inner plan to you know, 
put him to death. And they're doing all this in the, basically within <clears throat> the temple area, within the temple walls. He's struck in the face. He's, <clears throat> he's attacked by lion witnesses. He's mocked. Uh, Herod treats him as nothing. He's scourged. They put a robe and a crown and a scepter in his hand, and they beat the crown of thorns into his head. The soldiers mockingly bow down to him and call him king of the Jews, and they even spit on him. Pilate seeks to get Jesus released, but he's finally told that you're no friend of Caesar if you do this. And so Pilate washes his hands of the whole matter, and it's like, I'm innocent of this man's blood. <clears throat> Jesus is taken out by the soldiers and then nailed to the cross. Shortly after being nailed to the cross, the soldiers cast lots for his garments. And while doing so, Jesus speaks from the cross and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <clears throat> the thief, one of the thieves on the cross, begins a conversation with Jesus in regards to, Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And Jesus speaks for a second time and says, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then he talks to uh, Mary, his mother, and he says, Behold your son, as he references John. And he says, John, behold your mother, as John is now has the responsibility of caring for Mary. And after this point, there's darkness in the face of the earth from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. From the sixth hour from the start of the day, and again, if, you're, if the sun rises at 6 o'clock, then it's, then it's midnight. I'm sorry. <laughs> if the sun rises at 6 o'clock, then it's midday. It's, it's noon. Noon to 3 o'clock is this time period where there's total darkness. And God pours his wrath out upon his own son. The wrath that was intended for you and me. The punishment, eternal punishment in, in, the, in hell and the lake of fire intended for you and me. God pours that wrath out upon his son. To the point where at the end of that three-hour period, Jesus says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then knowing in his mind that all things are now accomplished and this is, it has been done and taken care of, the fifth thing he says is, I thirst. And then he says, It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And upon this, the veil of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quakes. The rocks tear apart. The graves of many of the saints, it says, were opened. And they would come out of the graves after Jesus' resurrection. And again, as I've mentioned to you before, what's interesting to me in all the narratives, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it doesn't make any difference. All the gospel narratives, when this takes place, <clears throat> when there's the earthquake and the rocks are tearing and, and the veil is torn in two, there is no more mocking. There's no more laughter. There's no more jeering. There's no more reviling. It says they fear. They were full of fear. The soldiers, the centurion, and those that were with him that crucified Jesus, it says they feared. And then one of the centurions says, truly this was the Son of God. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, most likely both secret disciples, uh, wanting to keep their spot within the Sanhedrin or within the Pharisees and the uh, not wanting to be uh, dismissed, uh, were secret disciples as far as Jesus, but then when it came to crucifying him, it says they consented not unto his death. 
They were honorable men. They begged Pilate for the body of Christ, and Pilate granted them their requests. Surprised that Jesus was already dead, but he had given up the spirit. And um, they took him from the cross, put him in a new tomb, one hewn out of rocks, Joseph's own tomb. And as quickly as they could, they prepared the body for burial because the Sabbath was quickly approaching, uh, which would have been about 6 o'clock that night. If you assume again that Jesus at 3 o'clock says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You would assume within the hour it is finished, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You would assume within the next hour he's taken down off the cross, giving them about an hour or so before, before sunset to get the tomb prepared and get the body in the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are not the only ones interested in the body of Christ. The chief priests and the Pharisees are also interested. They go to Pilate, and it's like they're not finished with him. And Pilate goes like, man, you know, this has been a long day with you guys. Well, that deceiver said, when he, when he was yet alive, that deceiver said that when I die, I'll, I'll raise again the third day, and, and, and we're afraid the disciples will come and, and steal the body and take him away and, and, and then keep this rumor going that somehow he's alive. And, and um, <laughs> Pilate says, fine, you have your watch. Make it as sure as you can. And again, I don't know if there's any prophetic statement in what Pilate is saying uh, other than, you know, do your best, but I'm kind of thinking if this guy wants to rise from the dead, <laughs> I don't think you're going to stop, okay? And so make it as sure as you can. Well, the body of Jesus was then placed in Joseph's tomb. As far as the body of Jesus is concerned, we're fairly convinced that it was there the entire time. Uh, rest of the day, Friday, all day, Saturday, until the early morning hours of Sunday, uh, when uh, his body then uh, is missing from the tomb because he has risen, as he said. Uh, the time in the tomb <clears throat> for the body would probably be about 36 to 40 hours. And, uh, but again, it's on the third day. It doesn't talk about, a, it's not a 72-hour period of time. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, in, in the grave on Friday. On the third day would be sun, uh, Sunday, and he resurrects on the third day. Where does Jesus himself go as the body is laying in the tomb? Uh, we believe Jesus went, it says he descended into the lower part of the earth to a place called Abraham's bosom or paradise. Again, a temporary holding place for those who are headed for heaven. Uh, hell in the place of torment is a temporary hold, holding place for those that are headed to the lake of fire. Um, and there's no doubt as Jesus appeared to those in Abraham's bosom as Jesus appeared and told them uh, of the fact of the crucifixion and the blood that has been shed. He's shedding his own blood. No longer is your sin covered by bulls and goats, but your sin is taken away by the blood of Christ, God's own son. No doubt in this, those in the place of torment would be aware and even see the event that's going on. We talked about before the rich man and Lazarus, how the rich man could see Lazarus in paradise in Abraham's bosom. He could talk to Abraham, and so aware of what is taking place. But the sacrifice has been made. He tells these folks, it is finished, paid in full, let's go. And so basically he takes them on, and the Bible talks about the fact I ascended above the heavens and um, then presented his blood before his father's throne. 
And there, as the ultimate sacrifice once for all for man's sins, accepted by his Father, he then sits down at the right hand of God. Matthew 28. Let's find out. Let's go back to earth and find out what is happening here. At the end of the Sabbath, or in the end of the Sabbath, chapter 28, verse number 1, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did quake and became as dead men. Mary Magdalene goes back, and we talked about this before. The third group, we have the first group that's interested in Jesus' body, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. <clears throat> they did their thing while the Galilean women, who had followed Jesus for uh, some period of time, and again, uh, referencing these women, we think of Jesus and his disciples. Um, you know, Jesus traveling around with his, uh, with his 12 disciples, but there were other folks that went along with them, to minister to, uh, to minister to these disciples and help take care of things and so forth. Um, you know, again, uh, Peter's a fisherman. Mm, you know, I don't know what he could cook for supper other than fish. Uh, you know, or if, it's like, mm, even if we want to risk that, somebody was going to be there to help take care of the needs. So some of these gent, uh, Galilean women literally were with Jesus' entourage all this time uh, the Bible talks about, we'll look at a reference in just a minute in regards to Mary Magdalene. <clears throat> it says that she gave of her substance to help meet the needs and minister to the needs of the disciples and Jesus. And so <clears throat> these, were, you know, these were folks that helped out. And these women basically are keeping an eye on Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And they realize that, you know, these are guys. They're doing the best they can, but they don't have much time <clears throat> When the Sabbath is over, we'll do this right. We're going to prepare Jesus' body the right way. And so they came, <clears throat> they came bringing spices. They came prepared to do exactly that. So when Mary, Magdalene, the other Mary, Salome, <clears throat> later there's a, a reference to a Joanna, these women came with the intent of uh, basically you know, redoing or fixing more permanently the body the body of Christ. It says, at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, they came, and there was a great earthquake. <clears throat> this is another one. This is not the earthquake that happened when Jesus um, gave up the ghost or, or died on the cross. This is another earthquake. Now, is the earthquake synonymous with the stone being rolled away, or you know, these angels um, trying to roll this stone away? Um, you know, did they cause the earthquake? Uh, or was it synonymous together, or just letting the people know something has happened as far as the tomb area is concerned? But there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descends from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. Now again, not to, uh, not to let Jesus out, but to let visitors in. Rolls the stone away, rolls the stone back. Uh, it is estimated <clears throat> that this stone was weighed between one and a half and two tons, okay? Understanding a ton is um, a couple thousand pounds. Uh, this, is be, this is quite a rock, okay? This is quite a stone. And so they, uh, the angel rolls the stone away, and um, 
to, to let the visitors in. Um, the angel then, it says, sits on the stone, and he, and he sat upon it, and his appearance was as lightning, as raiment white as the snow. And again, this is important. They saw the angels. Okay? These are not invisible angels. Uh, they saw them, and they're going to talk to them. And they're still going to have some doubts and disbelief in their mind. Again, uh, it, it sheds light on all the different kinds of Bible characters. For example, we, I say we, but myself, many times, I, I look at um, um, John the Baptist's father, uh, Zacharias, and, and an angel appears to him and says, you're going to have your prayers are answered, you're going to have a son, his name's going to be he's John, he's going to be the forerunner of, of Christ, and, and Zacharias goes, uh, can you give me some further proof? And he goes, man, he says, my name is Gabriel. I, I minister from the throne of God. I got this word right from God himself, you know, and, and Zacharias is unable to speak for nine months because of, his, because of his doubting and his asking for some special sign or some special proof. And he's talking to an angel, okay? Um, but these women are talking to an angel as well, and they're going to have lots of doubts also. Uh, later, we're going to have the story of Thomas, who is not present when Jesus appears into the room, into the upper room, and everybody sees him except Thomas, and Thomas goes, well, unless I see for myself, I'm not going to believe, unless I put my hand in the, in the holes in his hands, and everybody's like, oh, such a doubter. Well, they all are doubters. <laughs> this is like, this is like, uh, this is all new stuff. This is all new information. Sure, Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead. But do they completely understand the bodily aspect of things? Here they're talking to angels, and it says, his countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became his dead men. This is another place where I wish we had more information. They did shake. Um, <laughs> this could be the first of the Quaker religion. Um, <laughs> Shakers and Quakers. Well, there was an earth Quaker, and now they're Shaker. Okay, so you got Quakers and Shakers, and uh, they settled all through Pennsylvania. Um, and, and for fear, it says they became as dead men. Now, are they paralyzed? You know, did they, did they go, did God knock them out into a, a sleep? Or were they able to have their eyes wide open and just couldn't do anything? How cool would that be? You're like, they see everything. They see the angels. They see the stone rolled away. They hear the stone rolled away. There's a great earthquake. And, and what can we do? Nothing. You know, are they, you know, how much awareness is there of what's going on? Um, and again, does God say, you know, I'm just going to you know, put you into a deep sleep. You guys are going to be a non-factor here. Uh, but these folks that they're, they're Plan and purpose. Make sure nobody steals the dead body. You know what? In fact, they did their job. No one stole a dead body. <laughs> it rose on its own. And they dealing with the angels. And again, we have, for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Helpless, frozen, limp, I, I don't know. Uh, make it as sure as you can. Deep sleep, 
awake, could do nothing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to finish reading through verse number 8. <clears throat> and then we're, kind of going to, we're going to come back to it. But I want to read it so we just don't have to go back and forth and back and forth. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you're seeking Jesus which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you'll see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples word. Now I'd like you to turn to Luke 24. Luke 24. <clears throat> we'll see the parallel passage, and then we'll pick, kind of pick up from there. Luke 24, verse number 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, okay? And so the women come and, they, they, and it says certain others with them, okay? So it wasn't just, you know, uh, you know three, four, whatever. And it says they came on the first day of week, which of course was Sunday, early Sunday morning. And it's very early. It's still dark, it says. Very early in the morning, they came, um, still dark, by the way, John chapter 20, verse number one, says it was still dark when they came. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Uh, <clears throat> what happens is they come in the first day of week very early. They brought spices. Literally, Mark 16, which is another parallel passage, says they were wondered among themselves, who is going to roll this stone away from? How are we going to get in? Okay. Uh, how are we going to get into this place? And, uh, and again, if it was, the stone was sealed, okay, and you've got a Roman, you've got the guard there that Pilate had given permission for. Uh, how are we going you know, to do this? Will, will they roll the stone away for us? Uh, how are we going to get into this? Uh, Mark 16, 13 says we're wondering who's going to roll the stone away. It's an exceeding great stone. As I mentioned, one and a half to two ton is the estimate there. Well, when they got... You still have power or not? Okay, we still do. Okay. When we got there... They found that the tomb was wide open. Again, John chapter 20 said the stone was taken away. The passage in Luke that we have right here says the stone was rolled away. Uh, Mark 16 says the stone was rolled back. And so they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in, but found not the body of Jesus. <clears throat> and it says, and it came to pass, they were much perplexed thereabout, and they beheld two men stood by them in shining garments, Okay. Uh, so there's a period of time where it's like, oh, what's going on? What happened? The stone is rolled away. Now, again, would they have experienced the earthquake? Would they have, it's like, oh, something happened. I, the weird thing around here is every once in a while, uh, in the middle of the afternoon, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, there would be this ginormous bang. I'll be like, you know, somebody just dropped a bomb somewhere, and I never know what that giant bang was. <laughs> I don't, it's like, what was that? I don't know. What, what, what took place? What just happened? I don't know. And here's an earthquake. He's like, what, what took place? What has happened? And they come, and they find the stone is rolled away, and the tomb is empty. And please understand, their main concern is going to be, where did the body go? Okay? Who took the body? Where is it now? 
okay? Their brain is not thinking immediately, he's risen. <laughs> Their brain is thinking, somebody took the body. Somebody moved the body. <clears throat> somebody, you know, where did, what did they do? Where did they take it? You know, is it one of us? Did Joseph and Nicodemus come back here and move it somewhere else? Or did somebody else move it? You know, what's going on? And so they're perplexed, it says. It came to pass they were much perplexed thereabout. And now they have two angels to speak to, two men standing, uh, in, uh, again, in dazzling apparel. It says in shining garments. And then it says, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was yet in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified, and the third day he will rise again. <clears throat> the women are perplexed. The angels are present. Uh, in Matthew 28, it speaks of uh, one angel kind of sitting on the, on the stone. Here it mentions two angels. Two angels are going to be mentioned again later in just a little bit uh, for Mary Magdalene. But it's, you know, the angels are there, one or two. They change positions. They move about a lot. And um, uh, let's see. Um, is, it, is it this passage here? Um, two men in shining garments, uh, their faces. Um, well, this, uh, oh, in Mark, in Mark 16, uh, I'm just going to read it for you. It's, it's a little bit easier maybe just to, instead of referencing back and forth. Um, Mark 16 reads this way. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, Salome, had brought sweet spices that they may come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone for us and, and from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked in, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. They entered into the sepulcher and saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he said to them, be not frightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him, uh, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, and they trembled and were amazed. Neither, were, uh, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And so... Uh, mm, Reference I have in verse number five, they entered into the sepulchre and they saw a young man sitting on the right side. The angel or angels had appearance of being young. So maybe that's hope for us when we do get the glorified bodies, that that's what they'll be. Um, but we've got one angel, maybe two angels, um, they're changing position, they're sitting, they're standing, uh, they're, they, appear, they appear to be young. Uh, these women are petrified, it says they were frightened, uh, they bowed to the earth. Um, the passage here in Mark 16, verse number 5, says they were amazed. But then the angel proclamation is as follows. When you put all three of these together, it's fear not. Okay? And that's what they need to hear, first of all, because it's uh, they're perplexed, they're amazed. What's happened? Where's this body? Who took it? Fear not. We know, or I know you seek Jesus of Nazareth. But why seek you the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He is risen even as he said. Don't you remember his words? Remember when he was in Galilee. Remember when he was teaching. He said himself that the Son of Man must be delivered. The Son of Man must be crucified. 
and the Son of Man will rise again the third day. And it says the women remembered him saying that. Then the angel said, come see the place where the Lord lay or where he was. Go tell his disciples. He's going to eventually go to Galilee. You'll see him there. Well, it says the women departed quickly. Uh, and it says they fled from the tomb, trembling and astonished. How do we know they were scared? They were silent. They were silent. They fled from the tomb, trembling and astonished. They were silent. Uh, it is actually, it's, it's one of my favorite little commercials with the little uh, insurance gecko guy, okay? They, they stick him in the back of an airplane, okay? And the guy's doing all these loops and stuff like that, and he starts talk talking about insurance all of a sudden. You know, now he's thinking about throwing up, so there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing else to say. Uh, you know, nope. I'm good. No conversation. Um, my son, Brian, uh, has come to love uh, roller coasters and, and uh, all places like uh, Cedar Point and stuff like that. And we went one time when he was pretty, he was pretty small. Uh, we went to Six Flags in Georgia and we got on the old rickety, bangety, clangety roller coaster that they had there. And I am not a fan of roller coasters at all, zero. Uh, all the time growing up with the kids, I kept, I kept all the stuff where mom went, mom went riding with them and I'm guarding the stuff because uh, that seemed to be the safest place to be. You know, I, seriously, 20 guys with guns were safer than getting on that roller coaster. So um, anyways, I got on this with, with Brian and I'm pretending to be like super brave, you know, and he's sitting there because he, he wants to do this so bad. And I don't know, he's about five or something, and um, we get on, and, and we go, and he is, like, the whole time, not a sound. He's got his hands on the bar, like, not a sound. I'm like, man, you okay? We're all done. The whole ride's over. Man, Brian, did you have a good time? Yep. You want to do it again? Nope. So now I question the first question. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good time? Yep. Do I do it again? Nope. <laughs> like, and so this, it's like they're silent as they, as they flee. They flee the tomb trembling and silent. It says they ran. And then you have this combination of fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. Uh, it, it is amazing sometimes the things we do to ourselves. Um, <laughs> my wife's sister one time uh, she, she's single. She lives by herself. And she had an apartment not too far down the road from where we were. And she calls me on the phone, and it's about 1.30 in the morning. And she said, I am scared to death. Please come. Something, somebody's outside my door. And I'm like, okay, you, <laughs> calling me is not the smartest thing you've ever done. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but, you know, I appreciate the fact that you think I can do something about this. I'll, I'll get my... A Louisville slugger and head down that direction. Uh, so, so I come and you know, and she's in she's in her apartment, and 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 she says there's somebody outside, and she you know, and I I come in and I look around and on TV she's watching this horror movie. Okay, super scary horror movie, and she has a kitchen knife on the couch this big. Okay, 
And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, what are you doing? She said, oh, I just love these movies. I love to be scared. Love and scare. Fun and, you know, um, roller coasters. It's like, yeah, the scarier, the better, the more fun. It's like, those two emotions, those things don't go together. Fear and great joy. I <laughs> have fear and great joy at the same time. Well, the fear part is the fact that they do not understand what's going on, okay? They do not. First thing the angels say is, fear not. Well, we're going to fear anyways because we don't know. We, have, we do not understand what's going on. But they have joy because they believe that something has happened. The joy is he's not there. And these angels just told me he has risen from the dead. And so even though they don't understand it, they still believe it. The fear is, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really get it, but the great joy is that, hey, he isn't here. Well, the disciples come to check out the story. Verse number 24 continues, uh, chapter 24 continues, verse number 9. Uh, they returned from the sepulcher, and they told these things to the eleven, and everybody else, or anybody else who would be around there, and it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, told all these things to the disciples. Man, we saw angels. They were sitting on the stone. It's rolled away. The body's gone. You fill in all the blanks. Their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. We cannot pick on Thomas and call him Doubting Thomas if these people are exactly the same way. We don't, it's, they don't believe. Turn to John chapter, I'm sorry, yeah, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. See how quickly I can get to some of these other points this morning. John chapter 20. Verse number 1. Well, the first day of the week cometh, Mary Magdalene came early, when it was still yet dark to the sepulcher. She saw the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. She runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciple who Jesus loved. This is a reference, John, to himself. So it's Peter and John. And saith unto them, they have taken the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, and they came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together. The other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooped down and looked in and saw the linen clothes lie, and yet he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, followed him, and he went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about the head, not lying with the other linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came to the sepulcher first. <clears throat> I did win the race. And he saw and believed. What happens is the women report the empty tomb story. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, they report, and the disciples don't believe. It's idle talk. It's nonsense. They disbelieved. And then finally, Mary Magdalene says to Peter and John, I'm telling you, all right, all right fine. If you don't want to believe that he's risen from the dead, I, that's fine. But, but the tomb is empty. Somebody moved him. The body's not there anymore. Uh, the stones rolled away. The body's not there. Uh, they've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. Uh, you know, if you don't believe us, if you don't believe the angels, uh, at, at the very least, someone has moved the body. 
And Peter goes, all right, fine, well, we'll check it out. And so Peter takes off, and John outruns Peter to the tomb. My own make-believe conversation is something like, John goes, I beat you. Peter goes, so what? It's just you and me. Who's ever going to know? John goes, hmm, maybe I'll write it down somewhere. <clears throat> it has been said that John was younger than Peter, so maybe John has an advantage with that. But it is, of all this stuff going on, seriously, of all this stuff going on, and all the things and thoughts going through their mind, that John would actually mention that I outran Peter. <laughs> it's like, seriously? This is like a big deal all of a sudden? <laughs> don't know how competitive these disciples really were. I, I don't know. I don't know. But he then describes, which is kind of interesting, John describes the difference between himself and Peter. Uh, notice, please, I, and this is, inter- this is very, 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 very interesting because it kind of fits to the character. Verse 4, they both ran together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. He, speaking of himself, I got there first, I stooped down, and I looked in. Okay, He's at the door, he's right where the stone was. He stooped down and he looked in and saw the linen clothesline, yet he didn't go in. I, I, I just kind of looked in. The word actually where it says he looked in, the word is actually glanced. I just kind of checked it out, and it's like, yeah, it's empty. He, he's, he's not here, okay? I, he quickly made an evaluation that, yeah, it, it's like they said, he's not here. Notice the difference. Then come Simon Peter, six following, and went into the sepulcher. Would you expect anything different? He went into the sepulcher, and he seeth the linen clothes lie. It's interesting. It's a different word here where it says, seeth the linen clothes lie, where it says, looking in verse number five is just kind of a glance. In verse number six, it literally is inspecting or looking carefully. He's, he's doing a CSI thing, okay? He's checking things out. He's looking things over. He's investigating. Then comes Simon Peter following, and he went into the sepulcher, and he sees the linen clothes, and he goes, hmm, that's strange. Like if somebody stole the body, right? If they steal the body, you're not going to strip it down and take all the grave clothes off, are you? I mean, who would, who would take the time to do that? You know? Now, again, if it was the disciples themselves... And the bad guys thinking about it would be like, oh, well, yeah, they did it to give the appearance that he just kind of poofed out of his clothes, okay? <laughs> but these are the good guys talking like, we didn't do it. Who would, who would take his body and disrobe or take all the, the grave clothes off? You know, that, that is literally the idea of you know, um, maybe 3 o'clock in the morning or so. I make a trip over to one of the classrooms and put shirt and pants and clothing on the different chairs, in the, you know, and so when the kids come in the morning, they think the rapture is taking place, and uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, who would do such a thing? He says, it doesn't make any sense, and so he's trying to, 
Peter's trying to figure it out. He's doing his little investigation stuff. And he goes, this napkin, this part that was around his head, it's not even with the other clothes. It's kind of rolled together, wrapped together in a place by itself. He said, this doesn't, I don't get it. Well, it says, finally, John enters in. Then went in the other disciple. The one who came first to the sepulcher, just in case you didn't remember, I told you I beat him. Um, and he says, it says, he saw, the word saw there is the third time. We have, we have looked in verse 5, we have see in verse 6, and we have saw in verse number 8. Even though it, you could almost translate them exactly the same in English, they are completely different words in the Greek. The word saw means he understood. While Peter's still trying to figure it out, going like, hmm, yeah. John goes, I know what happened. And so literally what he's doing is he's giving himself credit for, I believe, he's gone. He's risen from, that's the only, I didn't take him, you didn't take him, the soldiers didn't take him. You know, where are the soldiers now? Who knows? Uh, It's like, um, None of this makes any sense unless he really, honest to goodness, has risen from the dead. And John says, I saw, I understood, and I believed. Oh, I wanted to get to this part so bad. Um, I'll tease you with it. Verse number 11. Evidently, Mary came third in this race. Um, she followed them back to the tomb, okay? Mary Magdalene comes back with Peter and John. And it says, the disciples went away again back to their own house. So Peter and John leave. And Mary Magdalene is left there all by herself. But Mary stood outside at the sepulcher and just crying. You guys didn't do any good. It's like, I brought you here to help me figure out where, where, what happened to him. What happened to his body? What did they do with it? <laughs> You guys were no help at all. She stood outside by herself, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Peter and John didn't get to see these. She did. And the angel said, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they've taken away my Lord. I, I don't know where they've laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. And saw Jesus standing, but knew not that it was Jesus. How could you not know? We'll talk about that. And then the next thing it says where Jesus says, Touch me not, for I have not been to my Father. That kind of throws our timeline into a tizzy, Right? Because he was supposed to have already gone up and presented the blood before the throne. He was supposed to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. Today you'll be with me in paradise, he says to the thief. But maybe that doesn't mean what you think it means when he says, touch me not. Okay, Uh, Because it's going to be a similar tense to remember when I told you, stop letting your hearts be troubled. He's literally going to tell Mary to stop touching me. She's already doing it. Okay? Because when Mary realized who Jesus really was, she's going to cling to him and grab hold of him with the death grip. <laughs> you know, the, Okay? 
He's like, okay, okay. okay. That's a tease. We'll talk more about that. The touch me not, ha- some people tried to make it, oh, because his body wasn't yet ready. No, it's not any of that. It's like she's, she's got the death grip and she's not letting him go. And he goes, okay, all right, fine. Like somebody gives you a hug and you're like a little uncomfortable. Okay, uh, you can let go now. Um, okay, that, oh, that's good. I love you too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, now now's good. <laughs> all right. But with all this stuff, seeing angels talking to angels, Supposed to remember what Jesus had said to them. They're still having trouble believing it. Still having trouble. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to look at your word. We thank you for the humanness, I suppose, of the characters that we get a chance to look at. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. They were so much searching for the truth and for what happened and what is right and what had really taken place. And they were so perplexed. Thank you, Lord, that we're in a position where we look back and we can all see it so clearly. And they were smack dab in the middle of it and and struggling. Father, thank you again for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for willing to die in our place. We might have eternal life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this opportunity to hear the word preached at Factoryville Bible Church. Factoryville Bible Church is a non-denominational church in Athens, Michigan, that seeks to share the good news of the gospel through a number of ministries in the area, including Factoryville Christian School, Camp Elvin, and the Passive Forward Shop. To learn more about the ministries of Factoryville Bible Church or to support the mission of our church, visit our website at factorievillebiblechurch.com. Thank you.